This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 4th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The task of understanding President-elect Donald Trump's pronouncements about nuclear weapons poses a big challenge for policymakers and foreign governments. Ben Friedman, a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute, discusses the possible meanings. We're now in an era of American politics where we figure out what our nuclear weapons policy is going to be by reading tweets that the president-elect could not be bothered to proofread. Uh, Typo-laden Trump tweets about nukes created uh, this controversy or at least a lot of news in the week before Christmas when Donald Trump tweeted first, quote, the United States must greatly strengthen and expand its nuclear capability until such time as the world comes to its senses regarding nukes. Everyone immediately began wondering what that meant because he didn't just say strengthen, he said expand. And what, Why do you need to say expand if you're already strengthening? Does expand mean build more? Does that then mean that we have to violate the New START treaty uh, that's been in place since 2010, restraining the number of uh, systems the United States has to deliver nuclear weapons? Or uh, does it mean that we're going back on our pledge in the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, the NPT, to work towards uh, the ultimate goal of disarmament. Uh, so it created a lot of consternation. And then President-elect uh, Trump's spokesperson at the time, Jason Miller, uh, put out a statement saying, well, the, Trump was really just talking about uh, his concern about the threat of proliferation and the need to prevent it which clarified nothing really because uh, it's not clear why the United States strengthening and expanding its arsenal would do anything about proliferation, particularly to insurgents or terrorists, which is what Jason Miller mentioned in particular. Then Trump apparently told Mika Brzezinski off the air uh, on MSNBC with uh, regard to the idea that there might be an arms race. Uh, we'll let there be an arms race, he said. Uh, we will outmatch them at every pass and outlast them all. According to Brzezinski, that's what he said. And then another Trump spokesperson, Miller, having been fired in the interim or resigned from his would-be post, uh, then stepped up and told uh, the Today Show that, well, Trump was really just talking about um, deterring other states that are, might build more nukes from building more. Uh, and then Trump attacked NBC, uh, tweeting uh, that they had uh, left out the part of his quote about uh, uh, his tweet about the world coming to its senses. So he's sort of saying, well, I'm only saying this if the world comes to its senses. And the question, well, what do you mean come to its senses? What does that mean? So the whole thing, this whole series of statements to uh, TV shows by spokespeople and tweets by Trump just created a giant muddle about what he meant. Uh, people wondered, as I said, is he talking about some radical reversal? Is he really embracing arms racing? Is he going back? Uh, on what he said at other times about uh, wanting to get rid of uh, waste, fraud, and abuse in the Pentagon, since do we really need three ways to deliver nukes? Uh, does he agree with his Secretary of Defense nominee, James Mattis, who said we maybe don't need to try at three ways of delivering nukes anymore a year ago in testimony? So there's really sort of uh, a, a lot of confusion and question marks. Yeah, what are the stakes of uh, getting these questions right? I mean, of course, at some point, someone will have to write something down on paper and it, that will indicate in clear language what was intended. But 
in the meantime, well, what are the stakes of, of this sort of uh, muddle? The Chinese and the Russians are the two countries that uh, probably are watching most closely, not to mention the North Koreans but the, the and other states that have nukes. But the Chinese and the Russians have uh, a relationship with the United States that if not – it's not right, I don't think, to call it arms racing in the traditional sense. But contrary to what we say in public about our nuclear weapons arsenal, which is that it's just to – it's supposed to be able to survive a first strike from our adversaries so that we can deter them. In fact, what we've always tried to do with our nukes, at least in the way that we build them, if not their total number, is to have the capability to do our own first strike, that is to preemptively destroy the arsenals of those countries. Now, whether or not we could really do that is another matter, but that's always been sort of the doctrinal rationale for our missiles. Uh, in our nuclear bombs, uh, in particularly the rationale for their accuracy. They wouldn't have to be so accurate if that wasn't the goal, to destroy the enemy's arsenal. Uh, and so um, now the Russians and the Chinese sort of seem, for various reasons, not to be racing to develop arsenals that are much more survivable. They both have submarines that can fire nuclear missiles, but neither of them really are very good at that. Uh, it's sort of a, those are dangerous submarines to be on, particularly in the Russian Navy. And they have mobile uh, missiles to some extent, but they're not racing. They're not racing to be able to defend their arsenals. And you wonder, uh, could we upset relations with them enough uh, to change that, to make it so that we are getting into more of an arms race uh, and spending a lot of money as a result and creating danger? And you have to wonder, why does Trump, of, of all people, who seems to really want to get along with Russia almost more than uh, anyone else in the United States government or near it, uh, why would it be Trump who, who talks this way? It's, it's hard to figure. The, uh, the other side of this is the idea that uh, the United States having more nuclear weapons would deter other countries from building up their arsenals. Now, I can understand why that might mean certain countries that currently don't have nukes wouldn't then get them. Uh, but what I guess what is the what is the conventional thinking on that, and and uh, why is why is it raising that question? It seems logical, not to mention conventional, to think if you build more nukes, you're doing so in order to deter other people from doing things they might want to do. If now, if you're one of those other people, those other countries, it would make sense to avoid that position, to not want to be deterred or coerced, to use a more technical term, by the United States, uh, and thus you might want to build more. Now, it sort of depends on the back and forth and the scenario you're talking about, but most countries, when you say we're building nukes to push you around, we wouldn't put it that way, but that's really what it means, would say, well, we don't want to be pushed around, so we're going to build more. So it seems likely uh, to backfire. Now, if the argument is, well, we just want to build more nukes because we want to show the Chinese and the Russians that their buildups won't go unanswered, which is sort of what Trump said in the campaign in his peculiarly uh, inarticulate way, well, I don't think that makes a lot of sense either because what it forgets is that the United States has been modernizing its arsenal. The Obama administration has set plans to modernize all three legs of the arsenal. And in fact, the Chinese and the Russians aren't modernizing theirs to the sort of with the same gusto that we are. So it doesn't really make sense to say, as Trump has, well, we're sort of letting them get away with something by not modernizing ours. So it's, it's, uh, it's, there's sort of layers of 
confusion here. But at the end of the day, I think the most likely outcome is that the Trump administration will maintain current U.S. nuclear weapons policy, which is that we're modernizing all three legs in the, of the triad. And I think that's the real trouble. The problem to me isn't so much that the Trump administration is likely to depart from our very sensible current policy. It's that the Trump administration is likely to keep our not so sensible, in fact, somewhat foolish policy, which is modernizing all three legs of the triad at enormous cost, something like- $300 billion over 10 years, is that At a minimum. uh, That's probably a conservative estimate. It could be substantially higher. Uh, Enormous cost and for not much benefit, as Chris Preble, Matt Fay, and I wrote in a paper a few years ago on this matter. Uh, The reason being that even if you think we should do all the things we now do, make all the threats we now make, with our nukes, even then, I don't think we need all three legs of the triad. And then if you want to say, well, maybe we could have a more modest foreign policy that defends fewer people and makes fewer threats, then you could have way less. But even keeping the status quo set of alliances and so forth, I think we could get away with a monad just based on submarines. Now, I don't think this is something our president-elect has given a great deal of thought to yet. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to talk to his secretary of defense nominee who's given it more thought and maybe... uh, back off this ill-conceived tweet or series of tweets. Ben Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.